Welcome to another episode of Behind the Scenes with Nosheen uh, podcast and I'm your host Nosheen Hack. Um, today my guest is Aisha Nia, an award-winning solicitor based in Manchester. Aisha is uh, also a television regular and has co-presented Crime or Be Tough Enough, a five-part series for BBC One and she makes regular appearances on various shows including Rip Off Britain, uh, also on BBC One and Steph's Packed Lunch on Channel 4. Thanks for joining me Aisha and it's great to welcome you as a guest on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I was flattered when you asked me to come on this um, and I'm quite excited to have this chat with you. Fabulous. So um, to sort of tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you've got into the world of law. Did you uh, always always want to own your own law firm? I started off about 26 years ago working in a law firm as a trainee solicitor and I slowly progressed through that law firm. Um, it was quite a big law firm in Manchester. There was about 300 people there. By the time I left, I'd made partner in that law firm, which was in those days for, you know, a woman from my background was a massive achievement. So I made partner in that law firm. I know that the the plan was never to set up my own law firm, but historically they are named after their owners. So I would literally be in this law firm going, one day you're all going to work at a place called Nayar's. And they'd all laugh and it was a bit of a joke. And I actually got in trouble for it as well. Like the boss called me in one day and he said, what's all this business about you telling people that they're going to work for you at Nayars? And I was like, oh, it was a joke. It was a joke. I was I'm really ever going to do that. And then fast forward, literally all these years later, I have actually got my own law firm and it is called Nayars. And I have got some of the staff from this massive law firm ah, now yeah. working for me. So honestly, it's crazy how things have worked out. But as part of that law firm, And then I left because I had my first daughter and I just wanted a little bit more of a work-life balance. So I took up working as a trainer. So I used to train solicitors on how to do their jobs. Um, And it was that technical world that I got involved in running what we call CPD courses. I'm always someone who's looking for the next challenge or wants to do something else. So the next challenge was setting up my own law firm. And that's what I did. And, you know, Alhamdulillah, I've never looked back. Amazing. That is so inspiring. And where have you got your support from during um, your career? Is there anyone in particular that you've admired or anyone that's inspired you through your career journey? Yeah, um, you've got to be your own biggest supporter. And I know that sounds a bit of a cliche, but I believe it's absolutely true. I was a generation where, you know, we grew up and our parents encouraged us, but there wasn't the pushiness that goes on now. So we, we very much did it for ourselves. So I think that mentality has stayed with me I am my own biggest supporter I push myself um, and I can honestly say anything I've achieved I've done it off my own back I, I started off in a law firm I'd never even spoken to a single lawyer before never mind um, you know worked with them so in terms of support I think you can't make any excuses generally in life that you, you weren't supported by that person or you weren't pushed by that person you've got to do it for yourself But having said that, in terms of um, support, now I've got a supportive family. My husband is fantastic. He's amazing. You know, he will always say to me, you know, if you want to do it, do it, go for it. So I think at the back of my mind, I've always got that encouragement. I've got someone's got my back. Someone's there for me if I do fall. So I think, yeah, you've got to, I would say, 85%. You've got to do it for yourself. And I think, but it is good to have that support network around you as well. And you asked me, is there anyone I've admired during my journey? Oh, I, 
would like to think that the people I admired, the people I've come across, normal, real people along yeah. the way that have inspired me. So it might be, you know, the single parent that's working two jobs to, you know, put food on the table for their children. It might be, you know, I, I think about my own mum a lot, who was an Asian woman, um, you know, she's nearly 80 now. So you rewind the clock, you know, 50, 60 years ago. You know, she was a, a working woman in of that generation in this country. And look back at, you know, she brought us all up in, in such a beautiful, fabulous, supportive way. Um, and she worked with my dad. My dad got ill while when we were growing up and, you know, he wasn't able to work anymore. So my mum stepped in and worked with him. And I look back now at that time, and I think, wow, that was amazing. Um, she was able to run her home very well. She was able to go out and work. Um, and she was able to fulfill all of these duties that you have as an Asian woman of a certain generation. And so when I look at role models, I very much look at, and I know it's cliche, people talk about their parents um, as their role models, but I think my role models are very real. They're people around me that I look at. Yeah. That's lovely to hear. And I'm really interested in your experience of appearing on television too. So um, as a woman of colour, how did you get into this? And what advice do you have for others who are looking to pursue similar, I guess, journeys into that world? Okay, so in terms of being a woman of colour, I'll be honest with you, I've never looked at that as an issue within my career, yeah. whether that was in the law firm or whether that's now in the world of media. I kind of I look past that. Um, yeah, I'm Pakistani, I'm Muslim. I'm very, very, very proud of my heritage. So in terms of being on TV as a woman of colour, I go on as a legal expert on various different TV programmes and I've been a presenter on a TV programme on screen. I mean, I remember there was one TV programme that I was doing and it, we were about to start filming six weeks in Ramadan. Um, and I was like, oh my goodness, I, Ramadan's coming up. So I think I rang the producer and I said, look, Ramadan is approaching and is there any way we can put off starting filming for say five or six weeks because it's yeah. probably Ramadan and then it'll be Eid. And he was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And then they put this whole thing out about <laughs> Aisha Nayar does not want to film during the holy month of Ramadan. And I was like, really, oh, my God, I just didn't want to film when I was hungry. It's <laughs> nothing to do with the religious. Aspect. I just didn't want to be hungry on set. Oh, my goodness. And bless them, they did. They put off uh, filming for the whole six weeks. Um, and then we started, I think, that year. We started mid-June. So I've had quite a positive experience of okay. being a woman of colour, of religion, within the TV world but you know I appreciate that not everyone will have the same experience and I've probably been very lucky. And how, how did you get into the world of TV like what were your first steps of getting into that and giving that legal um, legal expertise I guess on television? Okay so that was never part of the game plan either I kind of fall into <laughs> okay. things don't I? And um, what actually happened was I was working on a really high profile case in London I've been there for six weeks and then what happened on the back of this case because it was a high profile case I started doing lots of TV interviews in relation to that case Mm -hmm. And then on the back of that, I became an expert talking about acid legislation and changes in the laws and how acid victims should, you know, should be treated. So that propelled me as an expert in acid attacks, legislation, laws as a lawyer. And then on the back of that, I got approached to do other TV programmes. So from this one high profile case, I became an expert. I did the five part series on crime. From that, I then got approached from various different TV programmes to go on and be a legal expert. So now I'm resident legal expert on quite a few different TV programmes. And I absolutely know she love it. 
<laughs> no, well, I think it's great to have. Um, I know you said that it doesn't affect you, like your you know, ethnic background and, and your culture and everything, but I think it's fantastic to have representation and for people to be able to identify. Um, someone who looks yeah, like them on television. So I, I yeah, think no, I, I agree with you. And, and I forget some of the time. I mean, obviously, I'm very, very conscious that I am, you know, of a certain background, but some of the time, I, you know, I'm just Aisha. It's, it's not just the me. Yeah, it's just you. Yeah, it's not it's Aisha. Yeah. And it was Ramadan, um, and I was appearing on a TV programme. I think it was the second day of Ramadan. I went on to mainstream TV, Channel 4, and I wore a shalvar kameez. And I, you know, I was really, really proud to do that. I didn't need to. But, yeah. And I also accept that, you know, wearing a shalvar kameez is nothing to do with Ramadan necessarily. <laughs> you know, it's it a cultural a thing. Yeah. It's a cultural thing. Of course yeah. it is. But it's also, you know, when you look at a woman in a shalakami, that she is from a certain background. So I can wear the nicest dress or I can wear you know, the nicest pair of trousers and top. But when I'm in a shalakami, I am representing Asian women. That In my head, that's what I'm doing. So I'm all a shalakami and they all loved it. Literally, um, they were saying, I wish we could do this whole interview stood up so we could see your whole outfit. Like, well, that's not going to happen. And I agree yeah. with you. If I see somebody on TV with a turban or a gara or a shawar kameez or hijab, you do think, oh, okay. Yeah, exactly, you know, don't like, it pulls you towards them. It's like, of course it does. It's, it's, yeah. it's representation of, of yeah. a community that isn't on TV enough as far as I'm concerned. Oh, that's uh, such a great story. So thanks for sharing that with us. You know, there's a lot of perception that you have to be in the South to be successful in television. Do you think that's just a perception or do you think like that's because you're based in the north? Um, what what do you have to say for, for that? Look, I'm a Manchester woman through and through. I was about to say Manchester <laughs> girl, but I don't, I don't think you can say that anymore. You can Look, say I'm that. A, <laughs> I'm a Mancunian through and through um, and I am really, really proud of my northern heritage. So um, is it a problem? No, I would say it isn't. Look, we've got the BBC in Salford Keys. We've got I've worked for Channel 4. We've got Channel 4 based in Leeds. The train journey is, you know, from where I live, it's about two hours away. No, I don't think, for me personally, it's not been a massive issue. Okay, I'm asking because uh, very early on in my career, like, I basically wanted to pick up and move down south. So I'm also from Manchester, and um, I thought that's where I'm going to be successful. But then I decided not to in the end, and I know there's a perception around it, no matter what kind of career journey you go to that. Probably not now, but I guess there was, like, maybe several years ago that you have to go down south to basically be successful. But, again, I agree with you. I feel like there's a lot of opportunities here now, isn't there, up north? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, what advice can you give to anyone who's listening who basically is pursuing a career in law? The starting point has got to be you've got to work incredibly hard. It's a competitive industry, and I know everyone's perception of working hard is differently. Look, I run my own law firm. I've had hundreds of staff over the years um even when I was a partner in, in the law firm that I used to work for um I, I I got the measure of people you know for some people working hard is just turning up to work every day nine to five but for me working hard is going over and beyond it's putting that extra mileage in it's you know really standing out amongst your peers my dad gave me some advice when I was first starting out and I always sticks with me he said to me be the hardest working person in your office and you will do well and to this day, I'm the hardest working person in my office, even though I'm the boss. So I think hard work, there's absolutely no substitute for it. You've really got to, to work hard and then make contacts in your field as well. So okay. whether that's law, 
whether that's medicine, whether that's um, IT, whatever it may be, whether that's beauty, make contacts in your field and use those contacts. It's easier now than it has ever been to make contact. We all know the world of social media. You can directly message all of these people that, that, that really are there at your fingertips. Um, LinkedIn is a great tool as well. Definitely. So use you choose your role models, choose people that you're inspired by, contact them. I get lots of people by my social media channels. I'm will... an example of that. <laughs> yeah, you're an example of that. Yeah, and I will respond. And now more than ever, it's quite easy to, to access good role models via, for example, social media. And then just don't give up. You know, if that's what you really want to do, keep at it. Volunteer as well. I think that's always a really good piece of advice I give to people just starting out. Volunteer at a law firm if that's what you want to do uh, we get lots of um, applications for from work experience students and they want to do you know a week now realistically I can tell you as an employer you coming in for a week is not going to help me in any way shape or form so offer some genuine good useful work experience for the person that you're going to work for so I don't know maybe you could offer to work three months over the summer holidays or six weeks over the summer holidays and that's every day you know, I'm talking about work nine to five. I know you're giving up your summer, but if you're really dedicated to what you want, then offer some good, decent work experience. That's what's going to stand you out. You've got to work hard. Yeah, to get to you've got to work hard. Yeah, yeah. that's what's going to stand you in good stead and set you aside from all the other um, applicants in any job. If, when I see that on a CV, I think, wow, this is someone who works hard and that's what every employer is looking for. So there's lots of different ways to get in there um, with a law firm so that's what you want to do just keep at it amazing thank you so much for that uh, really useful advice and how do you create your work-life balance um being such a busy lady first of all the struggle <laughs> is absolutely real I make no <laughs> secret of the fact that it is constantly a battle to juggle your work your home your life I'm a mum of three children um, I've got three girls you know, I'm a wife, I'm a mum, I'm a business owner, I'm a personality that appears on TV, I'm a friend. There's so many different strands to me. So yeah, getting that work-life balance is difficult. It's not easy, but you can do it as well if you really want to. You know, there's days yeah, where there's weeks, I'll be honest, I don't sit on the sofa, I don't stop. You know, I get into bed really late and I wake up first thing in the morning and I'm back on the go. One thing I always try to do, Noshin, is be present in whatever I'm doing. So when I'm at work, I am totally focused. But then when I'm at home, I'm a mum to my children. I try not to be distracted in any way, shape or form, because I think you've got to be present to keep your sanity as well um, yes. in anything that you do. That's how I achieve my work-life balance. Amazing. And I guess um, for your like well-being, um, I know that um, by following you on Instagram, I know you're uh, to the gym, like that's your thing. Is there anything else that you do apart from that? Like, do you break off to go for a walk sometimes if you've had a really manic meeting or some a last minute urgent case that you've had to basically work on just to kind of break away? Um, the gym is definitely my escape. It's my only me time. And I try to go to the gym. Follow me on social media. You'll see I go pretty much every day. If I miss it, it's fine. I mean, I see my friends a lot. I've got a good, great social network. And I try to just have a little bit of time for myself in all of that. And I think that's really, really important to do. So I think my the best way I have of switching off is gym and maybe having, you know, going out for something to eat with one of my friends. I think it's really important to have some me time as well. Oh, I definitely agree with that. I try to do that once a month. So I'm like, 
yeah, I just need that time to myself, like a, a full weekend. So I'm a bit more selfish than you. Um, I'm like taking the but whole you know weekend what? away. Oh, right. Okay. On a Wednesday night, I decide my Wednesday nights were going to be for me. That's my time. And the kids know it. My husband knows it. My family knows, it. you know, everyone knows that I'm going to do something on a Wednesday. So it's nice just to have that plan in That's your nice. head that yeah. you've got a Wednesday night and it doesn't make you, yeah. And it doesn't make you any less of a parent just because you're having oh. one night off and just have that little bit of time, middle of the week, just to refresh and recharge my batteries and be there, you know, and, and really be a better person for it. I love that. I love that answer. And I guess tell me about some of your biggest surprises of working in both industries. The TV world, I'll be honest with you, I can't believe how nice everyone is. Really? You, okay. Yeah, genuinely. I've worked with some of the big celebs that are out there now. Everybody sat in the green room that I've come across anyway. It's just a good laugh. We're all just normal. We all have a bit of a chin mark, you know, what do you do, what do you do? So the the biggest surprise for me was how normal people are in that TV world. Um, That's definitely the biggest shock I got when I went into TV world. I was expecting all this newtiness, but there was none. Everyone is genuinely really friendly, lovely. um, And and I've I've made some really, really good friends within it. And then in terms of law, probably how hard you have to work to be successful. Yeah, I remember the... My first day at the law firm, um, probably about 22, when I came home, I was just like, oh, I'm so tired. And day two, I'd be like, oh, my, head's, my head hurts. I'm so tired. I remember my mum saying, well, wait, you're working in an office. You're not down the coal mines. You know, what's going on? <laughs> but it was just, I think the biggest surprise for me was how physically and mentally and emotionally draining it is having to concentrate all day at work. So it's not, you know what all these tv programs that people watch and all these glamorous tv programs that they watch about lawyers um well i grew up on ali mcbeal and la law and i know I ali McBeal. I, <laughs> yeah. you, right remember ali mcbeal everybody watches suits now don't they um so yeah i mean you think it's that but it's not it's actually quite it, it, it's hard work it's um hard working work. It's not as yeah i think it's not yeah. So I hear that you don't suffer from an inner critic and uh, or you don't have an imposter syndrome either. Um, has this always been the case? And what advice would you give to listeners who are maybe experiencing this? I do suffer an inner critic, but I just try not to let it eat me up. So, for example, if I uh, do some TV work, I'll always walk off about could I have done that. I do a lot of live TV. So I'll walk off thinking, did I say that right? How did I come across when I said that? But I'll watch it back and it'll always be fine, to be honest. Yeah. So inner critic is there, um, but I try not to let my, beat myself up about it. You know, I'm, I'm a believer that God's got a plan and, you know, that's all good. Um, in terms of imposter syndrome, people get really shocked when, they, when I say this, but no, I haven't got imposter syndrome. I'll be honest with you, I've never had it. I am quite confident in my own ability. I believe that wherever I am, I've got there on my own merit. And I'm happy to be there as well. So rather than worry about what the hell am I doing here, I'm just enjoying the ride. And um, so, no, I genuinely don't have imposter syndrome. And I think some of that goes back to my faith and my religion as a Muslim. I do believe that God's got a plan for us. And if I am in this position, then Allah wanted me to be there. So who am I to question it? So in terms of do I have imposter syndrome? I honestly don't. And if there's anybody listening to this and they've got imposter syndrome, just question why you've got it. You are there on merit. You're there for a reason. You deserve to be there. You may not be there again. So while you're there, just enjoy it. Make the most of it. Oh, I love that answer. Amazing. And um, now I'm going to ask you a few fire round questions so our listeners can get to know you a little better. What advice okay. would you give to your younger self? 
you're going to be amazing. Um, enjoy the ride. It'll be worth it in the end. Oh, lovely. And what movie or song sums up your life? Erin Brockovich. Um, I love, I love that. that film because I can resonate so much with her. She's um, a woman who's feisty as a lawyer, which everyone, anyone who, who knows me, all of my clients will say I'm feisty and you need that. Um, she's a mum and she juggles and struggles like I have done at times with her work and home life balance. But in the end, she's successful and her hard work paid off. So for the sheer reason I can resonate on so many levels with her and I want to look like her, Julia Roberts in Erin Brockenbridge. And what wouldn't people know by just looking at you? Oh, my goodness. Right. So I went to a party the other day and some of my followers on Instagram said, you're way shorter than you <laughs> on social media. And is there a beauty or makeup product that you cannot live without? I love that question. Okay, I'm going to have two. Concealer <laughs> um, for all those sleepless nights and undried bags and then bronzer because I'm naturally quite pale and I wish I was darker. So concealer and bronzer. Yes, that's so funny because I always wish I'm darker. So every time I've gone on holiday, like I'm that person sat in the sun trying to get that tan. I love oh, it. All the time. Um, I feel like sometimes, with, I don't know about you, but like in South Asian community, like... Everyone loves lighter, but I actually love darker. Like, I just enjoy oh, having right. that time. Oh, yeah. amazing. Well, thank you so much, Aisha, for the interview. Thank you. So the behind the scenes with Noshi listeners will enjoy this. And how can people connect with you um, to learn more about your law firm or your television work or just simply just for some advice? Okay, so you can find me on, I'm on all the social media channels. You can find me on Instagram. I'm official Aisha Nayar. I'm Facebook Aisha Nayar. I'm on Twitter as well at, at Aisha Nayar. And then you can find me on LinkedIn as Aisha Nayar as well. So I'm on all the social media channels, but it'd be great to hear from some of the people that have listened to this podcast and let me know what you think. Amazing. So you'll find this podcast on Spotify, Apple, Podbean and YouTube. And you can also follow me on Instagram at BTS Noshin. Please do leave um, a review and a rating. Thank you.